The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As the time drew near for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely took the road for Jerusalem and sent messengers ahead of him. These set out, and they went into a Samaritan village to make preparations for him. But the people would not receive him because he was making for Jerusalem. Seeing this, the disciples James and John said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went off to another village. As they were traveling along, they met a man on the road who said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another, to whom he said, Follow me, replied, Let me go and bury my father first. But he answered, Leave the dead to bury the dead. Your duty is to go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, sir, but first let me go and say goodbye to my people at home. Jesus said to him, Once the hand is laid on the plough, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking, you know, being adopted into this family of light, this is us. Little flickering lights garnering the altar, watching the radiant one, being borrowing from his heat and his warmth and his, and his brightness. And he has so much to give, doesn't he? So here we are, to be illuminated, as it were. I want to say something with regard to Elijah and Elisha, because these are big figures in the, in the history of Israel. And for whatever reason, on the cusp of now ordinary time again, the church wants us to look at them, of all people. I always say, or I often say, that there's something oddly kaleidoscopic about the readings. You know, you know a kaleidoscope where you're, you're looking through it and you turn it a degree and all the colours shift and then you turn it again and you've forever got these different combinations of beautiful colours and patterns and the lectionary is a little bit like that because we'll come across stories again and again and again. Take the feeding of the 5,000, for example. We come across that story a number of times throughout the year, but every time with a different backdrop to it. You know, there'll be Elijah um, with that jar and oil, and he says, give me some of that before you two make your little meal and die. <laughs> That's the backdrop for one of them. Then there's David and his little crew, and they go into the thing and they eat the showbread that only the priests are meant to eat it's forever backdropped by something else because you can kind of look at it from several angles and enter and you find like a different treasure waiting for you so the lectionary is a very clever it's a very clever book you know it's not like they put it together overnight it took a long time organizing it as catholics we don't try and read the bible from cover to cover that's not what our lectionary does for us rather the church is inviting us on a, on a long pilgrimage, a kind of three-year drilling into the mystery. And, and it takes time. And it's never in vain. I mean, if we, if we come across the same thing, we're, we're entering somewhere different anyway. So today the church gives us this gospel, which sounds like something that belongs before Easter. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, where we know he offered his life. And the people are starting to get a bit anxious and tense and there's clearly energy mounting and it's not necessarily good energy 
but Jesus is there. And for the backdrop, we have Elijah and Elisha. Who is Elijah? Who is he? Well, he's a magnificent prophet. I mean, we know about the works of Elijah. Uh, I mentioned one story with the widow and her son. Later on, that son dies, and Elijah lies on top of him and raises him back to life. He clothes him with his own person, if you like. Uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven, not once, not twice, but three times, fire from heaven. And, and there's many other things we could say about Elijah. Who's Elisha? Elisha is the understudy or the spiritual son of Elijah. How are you going? I know you had to go and do a call. No, good on you. That's your service. That's no. God bless you. I'm glad people are safe. Um, Elijah hands on the baton to Elisha. You know, he gives him his mantle. And Elisha, we catch a glimpse of in today's reading. But let's just take stock of his call because it's interesting and I think it resonates with each of us in our journey. And the interactions which are not in that reading but which are between Elijah and Elisha, those are for us as well. Where do we see Elisha? Well, firstly, he's in the field. He's busy out on the land. This is such a common theme for vocation in the scriptures. Think of David, you know, the little shepherd boy. Uh, Nathan is sent to go and anoint a king for Israel, and he goes to Jesse. Jesse lines up all his sons, all but one, eldest to youngest, and they're standing there proud and ready. And God says, no, none of them. Where's the youngest? He's out in the field sleeping with the sheep, you know. Uh, the most humble. He's forgotten, really. I mean, the family is not putting him in the same steam. But God says, no, I don't judge outward appearances. I judge the heart. That's the king. That's the king. Go anoint him. Moses is similar, you know. He runs away from Egypt out of fear, sure. But he runs away and he's tending Jethro's sheep. And while he's tending the sheep, this mysterious presence calls him into the cave where he encounters the burning bush, the, the mystery of God. And God calls him back to Egypt. Go back there. Go and free my people. So this is a common theme, really, being out in the field and stewarding that which we were entrusted with. And it's the same for Elisha. It says that he had 12 yoke of oxen. The yoke is the wooden brace that goes over two oxen. So that's, that's 24 oxen. That's a lot of oxen. Must have been a huge property they had. You know, just imagine this gigantic acreage. And here's these 11 servants with their ox. And at the back, it says at the back was Elisha, sort of overseeing the whole thing, you know, on his, with his bulls. So he's the son of probably a wealthy family, you know. And who knows what they were farming? Wheat, barley, uh, figs. I don't know. Uh, it's the Mediterranean, so maybe they had like a date farm. I don't know. Anyway, Elisha's there and he's faithfully doing his job, right? Like a, like a good son. And then something unexpected happens. Elijah is called to call him. But he doesn't call him by name. He sort of drapes his cloak over him. Such a strange gesture, isn't it? Isn't it bizarre? Somehow Elisha understood he immediately dropped what he was doing and ran. He becomes like the rich young man we hear about in the gospel. He threw himself at the feet of Elijah and he says, let me follow you. But first, let me go and say goodbye to my parents. Sure, go ahead. And he goes. The next thing he does, he takes his ox and he burns them. He cooks them. And not only the ox, the yoke as well. He burns the whole thing and he feeds his company. So dramatic. 
He's, he's leaving everything behind. There's nothing for him to return to even if he wants to. There's nothing left. He now belongs to Elijah. Something curious happens, and we'd be familiar with this, when Elijah is about to die. He says, Elisha, I'm going. Uh, is there anything I can give you? And Elisha says, give me a double share of your spirit, the power that you have, the miraculous healings, the prophetic words, all of it. Give me a double portion of that, a double inheritance. Ancient Jewish culture would know this. We don't. We're not really privy to this. But he's not just saying, what you have is cool. I want double. He's actually asserting a birthright. He's saying, in this culture, the firstborn son is entitled to a double inheritance of the father's stuff. So what do I want from you? I want to be your son. I want to be your spiritual son. I want to be adopted into your mission. I want to carry on your work and your name and your presence. That's a big statement, isn't it? It's, it's love. It's adoration. And, and lo and behold, he does perform, as the scripture tells us, exactly double. I think Elijah did 14 miraculous works and Elisha had 28. So it was fulfilled. Anyway, that story's coded in a lot of cultural and symbolic stuff, but, but it comes now to us as we follow the Lord today. And I want us to just call to mind, you know, when the Lord comes to call us, he does call us by name. We hear it again and again. The Good Shepherd knows each of us, calls us by name, and the sheep recognize his voice. Where does he find us occupied? You know, what's the field that we're busy plowing? We could be anywhere, our families, our workplaces, our communities, um, my little career project, whatever, all of it. Um, all of it's good, all of it's good fertile soil and it's good that I'm at work. And that's where God finds me. That's where the spirit comes and touches my heart and my mind. And I feel compelled suddenly to, I don't know, reorient my behavior, reorient my activity, build something more for him, with him. Elisha was draped in the cloak of Elijah, which meant more than, meant more than it seems. He kind of takes his whole spirit. Well, think back to your baptism. Each of us was clothed in a white garment, and that's just not some white cloth. The garment is Christ himself. We say it in the prayers. You've now been clothed in Christ. That's what we're wearing right now. In fact, if we wanted to, we could all be wearing albs right now. We don't have to, and it's probably a good thing we're not. But we could, because actually in faith, that's what we are doing. We're all dressed in the same person. We're all gathered as members of his body. Finally, I think of the disciples. And, you know, we hear in the Gospels that people thought Jesus was Elijah. They were expecting his return, and Jesus says, who do the people say I am? And, yeah, some think you're Elijah, some think you're one of the prophets or something. Is it any wonder that James and John ask him, hey, should we call down fire? You used to do that back in the day, didn't you? Um, that's not the fire he wants to call down. Not destruction, but the spirit. The spirit. And not on our enemies, but on all of us. We're all one family. You know, May it all just be caught up in the blaze of his love. When Jesus called his disciples, we'll remember that scene where they were fishing, and it says they dropped his nets and they followed him. But later on, they returned to their nets when they didn't know what to do. When he died and they were confused, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And they all went with him. 
Imagine if, like Elisha, they burnt their nets. You know, Jesus calls them and they burn their nets and boats and everything and they follow him. I don't know what they would have done when they were thrown into confusion, but they wouldn't have been able to return to their old life. It would have been unavailable to them. It's a sort of challenge to all of us, isn't it? What is it exactly that I'm being called to burn right now? To, to leave it behind in a way that I'll never be able to go back to it. Even if I'm found idle, I'll just have to sit and wait. Wait for my inheritance, which is the Lord who, who is coming. All of that to say, we're now in ordinary time. But I want us to maybe ponder and question and resolve, you know, set our gaze on something new. What's the new ordinary going to be? What's the new normal? What is the Lord calling me to in my prayer life, in my work life, in my family life, in my, in my rest time? This is a time of privileged renewal. What do I need to burn as a sacrifice? And how will that feed those around me? You know, our sacrifices aren't just about me making my little ego a little bit holier. It's meant to serve, it's meant to kind of burst forth in fruits of charity and peace and harmony. So I leave that with all of us, but may God inspire us. May he drape us in his, in his garment, the, the, the cloth of his son. And may the spirit fall afresh on us this day and every day.